The reckoning draws near. Hello and welcome to episode 114 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, a podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch, and if you're a returning listener, welcome back, but if you're new around here, of course, let me introduce myself. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM, that's at Sir DRJM on socials, so why not head over to Twitter where you can follow me, you can tweet at me, you can give me questions, you can DM me, you can send me comments, concerns, inquiries, whatever you've got, topics for me to talk about on the show, and I will happily bring them over here. Of course... That's something I love to do, but we've got a big show today, so let's get on with it. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services out there. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. So give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends and all that jazz. And of course, if you do leave us a review, I will certainly uh, bring it to the show. Five stars only, of course, naturally, naturally. Why would we ask for less? Of course, if you do enjoy what you hear on today's episode... I encourage you to check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast, your premier source for everything Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant, where I, along with my two co-hosts, Chris and Alex, talk everything as it relates to Canadian Overwatch League action, the Vancouver Titans, the Toronto Defiant specifically, and of course, the Overwatch League in general. Of course, this week has been uh, certainly a controversial week with a lot of drama going on in the Overwatch uh, Overwatch League scene kind of thing. Um, so definitely check out our episode over there. I'm actually going to refer to that episode of Ready, Set, Pwn a little bit later on, direct you over there for some further thoughts. Uh, I'm not going to rehash what I've already talked about over on there. So go check that out, but I'll mention that as we get to it. And of course, this week's episode of Ready, Set, Pwn is also a special episode because Chris had the opportunity to sit down well, virtually sit down, with Adam Adamu at Grayson on Twitter, of course, the interim CEO over at Overactive Media, the uh, parent company behind the Toronto Defiant, of course. So definitely check out this week's episode for that action. Now, that's all I've got to intro here, so let's get on with the show and dive on here. Time to kill. All right, so before we get into all of the latest news around the Overwatch League and Overwatch in general, of course, uh, I should mention that today's episode is going to be uh, a little bit heavy, but also a heavily an episode heavily focused on the Overwatch League uh, slash competitive Overwatch side of things. Not so much, you know, updates on the game and things just because of uh, the recent drama that's been going on. Now, before we get into that, however... There's some free stuff that I want to make sure everyone's aware of. So, of course, as you heard last week, uh, there's currently a Twitch Drops campaign going on right now. Eh, not even Twitch Drops, trip, Twitch viewership earnings or whatever you want to call it. Uh, all you have to do to collect those is make sure your Battle.net is connected to your Twitch account and watch, uh, I believe, pretty much anyone in the Overwatch uh, um category as long as they have drops enabled of course and you can earn those rewards so of course they are celebrating the overwatch world cup through that event so two hours gets you the world cup 2023 spray two additional hours gets you a world cup 2023 player icon four additional hours gets you a wrecking ball world cup home and away skins four additional hours on top of that gets you a winston world cup home and away skin four additional hours on top of that gets you a zenyatta world cup home and away skin and four additional hours on top of that of course bringing the total to 20 hours gets you a ramatra world cup home and away skin so definitely if you're interested in those skins 
go get watching on Twitch or put it on when you go to sleep. Just make sure as you go, you are claiming those rewards because if you do not claim one, your hours will not count towards the next until, of course, you have claimed that previous one. So I myself have already earned that uh, simply through some diligent bedtime streaming. Uh, and I mean, I'll be honest, a little bit of at work streaming as well, just watching uh, watching a little bit or having it on in the background kind of thing. But regardless, get in there and get your free stuff. Now, more free stuff. If you play on PlayStation, you can, of course, head over to the PlayStation Store. And if you do a little bit of a search for Overwatch 2 Farah, or just even, I think, Overwatch 2, you will come across the Overwatch 2 Farah Lifeguard bonus pack, which, of course, has the Farah Lifeguard skin uh, up for grabs completely for free. And I believe it also has maybe a weapon charm and a spray included as well. It definitely has the legendary skin, uh, the legendary lifeguard skin for Farah's, Farah. So definitely go claim that. I have yet to claim it myself, but I'm certainly going to be doing that because it's a great skin, if you ask me. And more free stuff this time for everyone. Check out the in-game shop this week if you'd like a free Valkyrie Wings weapon charm. So it is, of course, Mercy's Valkyrie Wings uh, as a weapon charm. And it goes on your little weapon and it looks like a little set of wings. So there you have it. Another, another free item to pick up. Now, that's it for free stuff. Let's move on to the uh, not-so-exciting news and, in fact, the terrible news but also somewhat good news. All right, so the reason I say somewhat good news is because of what resulted from this, but I'm going to start with everything that happened first, and we'll go from there. So first, we have an article here on Dexerto, written by Jeremy Gaughan, posted on June 25th, which reads, Overwatch Saudi Arabia World Cup fans received backlash after trans slur was shouted. The Overwatch World Cup qualifiers are currently underway, and it has been some interesting matchups and appearances. South Korea, which consists of 2022's Owl Champs and Lip, has been dominating their group. On top of this, Team USA has seen the retired two-time Owl Champ, Super, make his return to competitive play for the World Cup. However, the qualifiers have also seen its fair share of drama over the weekend. During Saudi Arabia's string of matches in the first four days, their players and fans received a considerable amount of, it says lashback, I think that's supposed to mean, what, what would that mean? Backlash, not lashback, for their insulting remarks of the LGBT community. They then have a tweet here embedded by at KP774, who I believe is, actually here, I'll just check, uh, head coach for Poland, Team Poland, perhaps? Professional tank playing for Poland. Okay, maybe he's a tank. And he tweets, Massive shout out to my team's staff for provoking angry little people over such a small joke. Also the fact that verified Saudi streamer streamers comment shit like this about casters because they are trans is just disgusting. But hey, it's not like anyone is going to do shit about that. Team Poland then tweets, It was a close to victory. Details decided. GG's at SAOWWC next match tomorrow. So of course... Poland was uh, beaten by Saudi Arabia. Then the article continues. After their third day match against Poland, tank player for Poland, Forever774, tweeted out that Saudi streamers were calling a transcaster on the EMEC broadcast, quote, animal and pig during a co-streamer of the Overwatch World Cup EMEC qualifiers. The streamers, who were confirmed as players legendary, who play... It says who players for triple esports in the European contender scene, and Alive Lol, a player for Onyx Ravens. 
In their second day match against Iceland, the Icelandic team equipped LGBT flags as their user pictures in solidarity of Pride Month in June. Iceland would go on to lose the match 2-0. However, the tweet which Team Iceland made to announce their loss was met with a barrage of disparaging tweets against the players for their icons, and the Saudi team would go on to leak their comps in the match chats before rounds began. We then have a tweet embedded by Jake, of course, uh, host on the desk, which uh, reads, I've said it before and I'll say it again. Trans rights are human rights. Trans people are people. It's not a revolutionary idea. It's obvious. Human dignity comes first. A plethora of Overwatch casters and personalities voiced against the insults. Owl caster and commentator Lemon Kiwi replied to the clip saying, legendary, quote, leave Overwatch and never come back, end quote. Avast, a regular co-streamer of Owl and part of Team USA's and Florida Mayhem's management said, quote, if you are in the Overwatch community or beyond and spread hate to our trans brothers and sisters, you suck, end quote. And Jake, previous Houston Outlaws mainstay turned Owl commentator said, quote, and then the tweet I just read. On June 27th, the Overwatch Path to Pro Twitter account was largely responsible for organizing much of the Contenders Collegiate and World Cup tournaments made a statement on the matter. Quote, Over the weekend, an Overwatch World Cup co-streamer used derogatory language towards one of our casters in violation of our rules. We have removed this co-streamer from all official Overwatch esports programs moving forward, the statement reads. As of writing, Saudi Arabia is leading their group with a 4-0 record and is most likely making it to the main event of the Overwatch World Cup. So... Of course, they do have the... Uh, I'll, I'll read out the Overwatch Path to Pro tweet as well. They tweeted an image, of course, too many characters. And it reads, Over the weekend, an Overwatch World Cup co-streamer used derogatory language. Uh, sorry, I read that part already. Oh, yeah. Uh, toward one of our casters in violation of our own rules, we have removed the co-streamer from all official Overwatch esports programs moving forward. We apologize to any community members who were hurt by the language used. We've reminded all participants of our code of conduct. Quote, when participating in communication of any kind, bracket chat, voice communication... Sorry about that alarm. Group Finder, you are responsible for how you express yourself. You may not use language that could be offensive or vulgar to others. So, of course, bringing this up as it is an important thing to bring up uh, because these disgust. you know what, I'll use their term against them, these disgusting pigs who believe in things like, uh, believe in action against people who may be trans or anything in between uh, are the, the the real pigs in this situation. Um, these people have no place in the Overwatch community. Uh, if you ask me, if you ask uh, anybody I know and associate with, these people have no place here and they don't deserve to be put on a stage or a pedestal or have access to the game in any way, shape, or form, or let alone any game, if you ask me. Um, they're just wrong. So Anyways, wanted to bring this up because it was important. It is important. And then, of course, I'm going to jump ahead a little bit to June 28th when we have an update on this story. Um, this is, of course, going out of order, but I wanted to kind of open this story and then close it out as well. So we then jump over to .esports.com with an article by Harrison Thomas on June 28th, Overwatch 2 pros banned from all future events after anti-trans remarks. Two players from the Gulf region have been banned from competing in and co-streaming all future Overwatch events after making anti-trans comments during the Overwatch World Cup EMEC qualifiers. Overwatch 2 players Alive Lol and Legendary, I always want to call them Legendary for some reason, openly recorded themselves vocalizing anti-trans comments for all their viewers to hear. The players in question called a transcaster an quote animal and a quote pig on stream, leading to their eventual ban by Overwatch Esports League on June 26th. The Overwatch Path to Pro team said they had removed this co-streamer from all official Overwatch Esports programs moving forward via a same-day tweet. They also added they apologize, quote, to any community members who were hurt by the language used. Uh, it then says the two people's comments surfaced on Twitter thanks to a June 24th tweet. 
uh, Team Poland's Tank Forgotten 774 from him. The video shows the co-streamers asking why you have Monkey as an Overwatch caster. We then scroll down past the embedded tweets. Uh, one of them previously played for Onyx Ravens and triple. the other one played for Triple Esports. Now both are permanently banned from all Overwatch 2 competitions. The Overwatch 2 World Cup EMEC qualifiers are still underway with the Saudi Arabian roster leading the charge 4-0. During the qualifiers, various members of the Icelandic Overwatch 2 team changed their player icons to LGBT plus flags prior to their Saudi Arabian matchup as a form of protest. Now that these comments have surfaced, it wouldn't be a surprise if more acts of protest arise. Blizzard's stance on these types of vile comments has been made clear, but only for some countries. The Overwatch 2 developers brought a pride event for certain areas, all while locking the contents from certain regions to ensure player safety, according to Overwatch 2 game director Aaron Keller. So I suppose that second article was just kind of, uh, you know, sharing the same information, but in a slightly different way. The important takeaway here is that these these awful people have been banned and removed from from things here. The real question to me is why a country like Saudi Arabia is allowed to compete in this, if that is how uh, their players are going to act and behave. Um, I guess those aren't necessarily the, their players, but these are these are players from contenders that were co-streaming. But regardless, if the community and the sentiment around a certain team is to me uh following that mindset then they have no place here and they shouldn't be welcome here um i think that the saudi arabian team should be on very thin ice and should anything and i mean anything any small comment or otherwise be found or come out or leak or whatever from their team uh then i think they they should immediately be disqualified i don't care if they have a 4-0 record uh, I think that uh, that is unacceptable. And if this were to happen in, say, traditional sports, I think to this extent, it would certainly, uh, these players would be removed. Um, so there you have it. Moving on from there, we are going to talk about some more very not nice news. Uh, in fact, some more terrible news. Uh, and not just for the Vancouver Titans. Well, not just for the team themselves. So, on June 26th, we have an article here by Nicholas Typhalos, written on DottieSports.com, which reads, Overwatch League Pro Aspire Accused of Grooming Teenager. Overwatch 2 professional Aspire has today been accused of grooming a girl aged 16 while he was representing the Vancouver Titans in the Overwatch League in 2022. The girl in question, who has chosen to remain anonymous, made the allegations in a 700-word document on Monday, June 26th, and shared it to Twitter under the profile quote, or sorry, at Exposing Aspire on the same day. Exposing Aspire alleges in the document that Aspire was manipulative throughout the stages of their 11-month-long relationship, which turned sexual in nature just weeks after initiate initial conversations commenced on Snapchat and then continued via Discord. She claims Aspire became, quote, paranoid that people would accuse him of being a pedophile, which, uh, sorry, was increasingly controlling of her actions and would dictate who she could communicate with. Exposing Aspire said she was, quote, hesitant to go public with the allegations because she was worried about the backlash she would face. She also acknowledged that she did not expect to ever receive closure for what happened between her and Aspire. The document includes nearly 40 screenshots, 40 screenshots of private Discord messages and several photos of their the pair together last year. In the three photos of them together, Exposing Aspire has used emojis to cover up her face. 
Dot Esports has attempted to reach out to exposing Aspire for further details. Dot Esports has also reached out to Aspire on Twitter directly. Overwatch streamer Aspen followed the June 26th document upload with her own allegations, claiming the Titans knew about the situation between Aspire and the anonymous girl for, quote, six plus months. The Vancouver Titans were contacted for comment, but did not reply before publication. Update July 26th, 9.30pm CT. Aspire has been suspended from the over US Overwatch World Cup team, effective immediately, quote, in light of recent allegations, according to a statement from the team's governing body. Aspire will not be playing in any US Overwatch world any of US Overwatch's remaining qualifier matches. Quote, we are taking the allegations very seriously and will continue monitoring the situation closely, reads the statement. Aspire was initially a reserve for the national team, but was promoted to the main roster on June 20th alongside RuPaul. Update, June 27th, 5.08 p.m. CT. The Vancouver Titans have released a statement announcing Aspire's removal from the team following allegations made against him on June 26th. So, there's a lot in there. Um, this is the part where I say I'm not going to rehash a ton of what we already discussed. Um, I'll, I'll share my thoughts, but of course, if you'd like to hear more expanded thoughts, go check out the latest episode of Ready, Set, Pwn, because... We, uh, the three of us, of course, being a Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast, we discussed this at length. Um, Chris, I think, is the most eloquent with his thoughts, um, and it was, of course, episode two hundred and one. Uh, and Alex and I both have some, you know, some some thoughts on it as well. Of course, overall, uh, this is the right team from Team USA, or this is the right call from Team USA. This is the right call from the Vancouver Titans. Um, unfortunately, this was entirely the wrong call on Aspire's part, um, and people need to be better, do better, and understand uh, what their actions mean and uh, what they're doing. Um, you know, it, as as the the um, victim here points out, uh, Aspire was paranoid that people would accuse him for having this relationship. If you feel that way, you shouldn't be in it in the first place. Um, you know good for this person for going for coming forward i hope uh i hope she pursues it to the fullest extent that she can um i i should i mean i ha i don't know that it's a girl but i think it's confirmed that it's a girl but i was gonna say he or she or they um in any case just awful stuff all around people need to be better people need to understand what what their actions mean and that actions have consequences and people need to be educated about this kind of stuff. I think that's that's a big part that seems to generally be missing, not just in the Overwatch League area, but this doesn't seem to be an uncommon theme um, amongst particularly men. And men need to be, I think, be educated about this because it seems all too common that this is happening and they need to take it seriously and understand uh, what's what, what they're doing and how wrong it is. Um, of course, the Aspen side of it that they do mention in the article here is a whole nother aspect to it. She claims that the organization has known for six plus months. Um, it seems like she certainly knew about it in some capacity as well. Um, she does actually eventually she went on to say that she even communicated it to tit the Titans organization and nothing was done. Um, that side of it all is is just as murky as the, the victim side. Um, it is truly hard to say 
what exactly happened with with Aspen letting the org know or not. Um, there's a lot of people, you know, raising pitchforks and and torches to a lot of the Vancouver organization as a whole, um, and specifically individuals over there. And the impossible thing to know is, of course, what exactly happened. We don't know where, air quotes, the buck stopped, right? If Aspen did go directly to some individual, did they raise it with their superior? Did they sit on it? Did they try to cover it up? We don't know what exactly happened. Um, and unfortunately, I, I would assume that we will we will likely never know. However, if more action is taken on the organization's side, I think it will probably speak pretty loudly to, uh, to what may have happened. Um, the other thing to note is that the statement, of course, that the Vancouver Titans did make said that they won't be discussing it further at this time, which Chris points out in our episode of Ready, Set, Pwn sort of implies that it may come up again or they may go into it more in some way, shape, or form. I don't really think that's the case. I think they just worded it that way. So, you know, for as a PR move kind of thing. Um, but overall, uh, an awful situation. Um, of course, I'm always going to fall on the side of believing the victims. Um, you know, take these things seriously. Um, and and ultimately, again, people people should have consequences for their actions. And here we see the very obvious consequences of uh, Aspire's actions. So there you have it. That's, uh, that is the Vancouver Titans current state. The very interesting or, or a, a whole nother layer to this is I don't believe they have announced anything else uh, in terms of player signings or anything like that. I suspect they are going to have to wait a little bit before they do. Um, I can't quite remember when the league comes back to play. If we do have... It's not this weekend, so it might be the 8th, but uh, they're obviously going to have to make something happen now. But that's besides the point. The point is, believe in the victims, support the victims, and uh, I think both organizations involved in terms of the World Cup and the Titans have so far handled it appropriately. Um, we'll wait and see if more happens with the Vancouver Titans uh, organization. As clearly there was, there was or is something that didn't something in the mechanism that didn't fully work uh if this you know if if what Al, uh, aspen has said is in fact true so let's continue on here oh yes and of course continuing on here i do have an article which also includes the um actual statement from the vancouver titans so jumping over still with esports.com this time by scott do on january 27th the article is vancouver titans release aspire following grooming allegations so it goes through much of what we already covered especially in those updates but it does have the tweet here from vancouver which reads the vancouver titans announced today that luca aspire rolovic has been released from the team following recent allegations this decision is effective immediately and he will not be finishing the season with the titans we take these matters very seriously so there's the actual statement from the Vancouver Titans. Um, of course, uh, you know, another point or this, I think this is a little bit revealing of uh, the Vancouver Titans organization as well. It definitely feels like this is a, um, this is an organization that is more, more responsive and perhaps operating as a more cohesive sort of unit than it may have in past seasons. Um, it does feel like this is the type of decision that would have been made higher up than, than you know, just with the Vancouver Titans organization. Of course, that is having, you know, a little bit of insight into the Canucks Sports and Entertainment Group, which, of course, owns the Vancouver Titans. Um, 
and having a little bit of the you know background knowledge that uh, things have been operating a little bit smoother over there. So, in any case, I think uh, I think this is a decision from the top. I think. Uh, when you're a player like the Canucks Sports and Entertainment Group, you hear something like this, you have a zero tolerance policy, and you're done. There's not a chance you're you're staying with the team. So that is what we have there. Now, shifting gears. I mean, once again, before before I shift gears, I will mention or I will recommend head over to the 200th episode of Ready Set Pwn to hear that uh, conversation that Chris, Alex, and myself have. Um, because I think it, it is a very nuanced topic. Um, and of course, uh, like I say, Chris goes into it quite heavily. Um, and I think he does a really good job of, of discussing it and, uh, and what's it, why it's important. And the fact that something needs to be done about this, uh, you know, more needs to be done about this across all levels. Um, across the Overwatch League, across traditional sports, across the male male populace in general. So go check it out. Now, moving on from there, uh, we're going to head on over to uh, some lighter news, of course, uh, this time heading over to Game House with an article by Brian Rockwood on June 28th, which reads, Shanghai Dragons sign fate and as Fleta transitions to assistant coach. Owl fans were concerned about the Shanghai Dragons roster leading into the 2023 season. The roster had several players role-swapping, but most bafflingly, former MVP DPS player Fleta trying his hand at take. We've seen other DPS players in the past make the jump from damage dealer to frontliner, but the success rate is pretty low. After the first half of the Overwatch League season, it appears as though Shanghai has not has seen enough of the Fletank this year. Late on June 27th, uh, Tuesday, the Shanghai Dragons announced that Fleta would be shifting away from players from playing and into a coaching role. This will be Fleta's first foray into coaching in the Overwatch League. It's unclear from the announcement if Fleta is fully retired as a player. To fill in for Fleta, the Dragons look for look towards a familiar face to close out the 2023 season. Shortly after Fleta's coaching announcement, the Shanghai Dragons revealed that Fate will be joining the roster once more. Fate previously played for Shanghai the past two seasons, leading the team to an Overwatch World Cup. Uh, sorry. Overwatch League Championship in 2021. Fate has spent the f- past few months competing in cont- Korean contenders with Pantera. In contenders, Fate continued to prove he was one of the more reliable players in the role, and even helped his squad reach the Overwatch League by placing in the top four of the Spring Stage Open. While the team failed to go on, uh, far into the Spring Stage and Knockouts bracket, Fate showcased just enough that Shanghai has decided to give the veteran another shot. So, of course, some interesting changes there on the Shanghai side. Um, if I pull up the rosters here, Shanghai had one of the strangest ros- rosters in possibly in league history, but certainly this season, um, largely with Fleta being on the tank line. And of course, we did not see very good results from that. I think Flet, uh, sorry, Fate being in the tank role does change things significantly and mean they could see a significant jump in performance. Of course, Hisu on Hitscan, uh, Viper on the Flex DPS role, and then Gangnam Jin and Iris slash Baby on the, the, the Flex support there. That's not a bad roster. Um, Fate, I think, is going to be a big part of changing things if he can. You know, one player doesn't necessarily mean a whole the whole roster uh, turns a corner, but I think we can expect some higher level of performance than what we saw. So that's good for Shanghai fans. 
Moving on from there, we're going to stick with the game house or game house, uh, .com this time with another article by Brian Rockwood, also on June 28th, this time, which reads Los Angeles Gladiators release Dante. It wouldn't be the Overwatch League without several teams making massive changes midway through the season. Already, teams have decided to move on from their initial rosters in pursuit of better results. Today, it appears as though it is the Gladiators' turn to shake up the Owl news cycle. On Wednesday, June 28th, the Los Angeles Gladiators announced the release of Dante from their 2023 roster. Dante joined the team in the offseason heading into 2023 as their only tank player. Notably, Dante transitioned to playing full tank full-time after spending most of last season playing solely Doomfist for the Houston Outlaws. I, I don't know about that. He did play a lot of Doomfist, but he didn't mostly play solely Doomfist, I don't think. The announcement comes as a shocking yet reasonable roster move for the Gladiators. Though the team sits in the top half of the standings at 5-3, and three, LA is struggling to keep up with the upper echelon of their competition. Many fans pointed towards the sub- subpar tank play of Dante as the result as the recent meta has not been favorable to his hero pool. Dante showed prowess on both Doomfist and Junker Queen, but struggled mightily on Winston, which was unfortunately the primary tank for the first half of the season. Dante has been a mainstay in the Overwatch League since the inaugural season. He began his career with the San Francisco Shock and was traded to Houston, the Houston Outlaws. Dante remained an outlaw for four seasons, an unprecedented feat for Overwatch League pros. It is unclear what Dante's next steps will be as an Overwatch pro. He did not explicitly state an intention to retire, leaving the door open for the veteran to join a new roster for the back half of the sixth season in the Overwatch League. So... Of course, as the article points out, Dante has been a mainstay of the Overwatch League, so very interesting to see him go. Um, I don't know. People, I feel like some people may claim that this this move was predicted. I'm mostly shocked because I wouldn't have thought that uh, that the Gladiators would be making moves. Um, of course prior to this season it kind of broke that it seems like the guard of course the ownership group behind the gladiators uh was basically confirmed to be folding which of course meant that the gladiators would be no more unless there was a buyer at you know before the end of the season of course so it really does strike me as strange that they would be making this move when the organization for all intents and purposes is going to be done at the end of this season now the other side of that is of course if this was you know primarily driven by Dante and he's the one that said you know I think I'm done then sure maybe they they had to you know they're, they're not going to force him to play well, they can't force him to play or anything like that and of course you don't want that either you want to at least have someone who wants to be there so um, that could be the other angle behind it but in any case it did catch me off guard um, but right now tis the season of course we've seen many teams making uh making even just slight adjustments or changes over the past few weeks um and we continue to see more actually after after a couple more stories i'll uh, break down a few that i didn't find stories for but i did uh we did hear announcements about so there you go dante um hopefully hopefully he he i think he has a great future ahead of him um in relation to overwatch or in relation to um whatever whatever uh, he would like to do i think he could certainly make it as a as a content creator he's uh you know one of the few uh players out there who who has a good presence when he's on camera um speaks well and and is entertaining to watch just um kind of from a personal level more so than just uh 
just uh, you know a performance level. So in any case, there you have it. Um, that's the news about, of course, the uh, the I want to say Houston Outlaws. Wow, look at me. Uh, the Los Angeles Gladiators. Moving on from there, we have another article on dotesports.com. This one posted on June 28th by Max Michelli, which reads, Formerly broken Overwatch 2 maps make a comeback following hotfix. Blizzard Entertainment released a hotfix today that included the reintroduction of a pair of problematic maps that were bugging out matches due to an exploit players became privy to. Parisio and the Antarctic Peninsula have been reinstated in today's patch that claims to have fixed an issue, allowing players to escape the spawn room before the start of games. <laughs> that's hilarious. I had seen there was an issue, but I did not read into what it was, but that's hilarious. While leaving the spawn room always led to players getting immediately put back in spawn, it could also cause performance issues for the lobby if done repeatedly. The patch notes also mentioned fixing an, quote, issue causing low FPS performance when specific heroes were in certain areas, end quote. That issue was likely a part of the overall bug that players had been exploiting, causing the map's removal in the first place. Parisia was the first of two maps to be taken out of the game on June 8th due to numerous reports of an exploit that Mercy players could execute, and less than a week later, Antarctic Peninsula was also removed temporarily. Along with adding these maps back, the new patch includes a few balance changes to heroes. Blizzard nerfed Cassidy and May's newly updated crowd control abilities and gave a buff to Lifeweaver's Thorn Valley, Volley. Sorry. While the mid-cycle Season 5 patch is just two weeks away, it seems there were enough substantive, substantive changes necessary that Blizzard decided to give players a little bit of a surprise by giving them hero changes just a couple of weeks after the new season. So there you go, Parisio and Antarctic Peninsula back in the rotation. Um, exciting to see and, and good to see, I think, with with them being two of the two of the newer maps. Uh, you know, just that's a good thing to see and a, a good thing to hear. So, all right, and that of course leads us into the next article here, which is simply the patch notes from the latest patch. So again, they touched on pretty much the major things there, but I'll read them through real quick here just to give you the concrete details. This is actually coming from overwatch.blizzard.com, of course, with the Overwatch 2 retail patch notes, June 28th. Here are the hero updates. Damage, Cassidy. Magnetic Grenade. We'd like for Magnetic Grenade to require slightly more demanding aim and intention in its use, especially at the longer ranges. The following adjustments will enable more counterplay for some heroes with quick reactions to be able to escape before the grenades stick to them as well so the seeking radius was lowered from 1.5 to 1.3 meters and the homing duration was lowered from 1 to 0.75 seconds both good changes if you ask me uh definitely nerfs the magnetic grenade a little bit i wouldn't mind seeing that seeking radius lowered a little bit more uh, but i don't necessarily have a great concept of how drastic a change 1.5 to 1.3 meters is uh, in terms of the actual gameplay. So I haven't played much uh, lately, so I have not seen uh, how effective this actually is. May, Endothermic Blaster. Despite the primary fire gameplay feeling more interesting now, May's effectiveness overall was negatively impacted by the trade and damage for more slowing utility. We're shifting some of that power back into her damage. So the maximum slow applied by primary fire was reduced from 50% to 40%, so a little bit less CC. 
but the primary fire damage per second was increased from 55 to 75. So that's actually a pretty dramatic increase, if you ask me. Deep chill, her passive, was maximum slow applied when this effect activates reduced from 75 to 65%. So a little bit more of a balance when it comes to May, although, you know, a little bit more on the nerf side. And of course, Life Weaver. Thorn Volley. Life Weaver provides a lot of healing and defensive utility, but struggles with the consistency of his offensive damage output when not in close range. As he typically wants to position himself further away from his allies, these changes will enable well-aimed burst fire with the Thorn Volley weapon to be more effective at applying pressure to the enemy team. So they increase the number of projectiles to reach maximum spread from 0 to 20. Increase the number of projectiles to reach maximum spread from 0 to 20. And then maximum ammo increased from 70 to 80. So obviously he can fire a little bit more. And the uh, reach maximum spread has been increased from 0 to 20. I don't, I'm not too sure what that means. But I don't think it's going to be a dramatic change for Life Weaver anyways. He's still not going to get played. Then, of course, the big things are the maps are back in rotation. Uh, they also fixed an issue in Watchpoint Gibraltar. Um, well, it was fixed in a previous update where the attacker spawn room allowed the defenders to enter, so that, that's good that that's fixed. Um, and then, you know, bug squashes and a few other things. But overall, nothing too exciting in there. Just a couple of tweaks to a couple of uh, characters that had already been tweaked, really, uh, recently. So. so there you have it. Finally, to close things out, we do have a number of other moves in the Overwatch League that I wanted to mention. Um, these are just a little bit more in passing as I didn't actually find any articles about them, but I do want to mention them nonetheless. So the Hangzhou Spark cuts 20, and of course Rui left due to family reasons, and that has resulted in the promotion of Creed. So with, uh, with Hangzhou cutting um, cutting 20, that of course leaves them with the singular tank of Gushui. So that will be a little bit interesting. I'm having not followed the Hangzhou Spark too closely. I'm not too sure who had been getting, you know, the most playtime or anything like that. I feel like I had been hearing, uh, enough of 20 to not expect that he would be cut. Um, but I do think that Gushui was probably the primary, given that we know Gushui to be um, a bit of a Winston player, and of course the meta was was pretty heavily uh, centered around Winston. So after that, we have the Los Angeles Valiant making some sweeping changes. So the Valiant cut Malthal, Vulcan, and Luke Mino, of course dropping uh basically half their roster and they then added knife to you and irony so interesting they did uh you know backfill for all those positions um and of course a couple of names we recognize uh from the overwatch league of course with irony and to you um i'm sure knife probably comes from the contender scene as well ultimately there was some drama around this as well i believe malthal went off on twitter um saying that you know, this, this team is basically controlled and toxic because of Avala, who um, many of us know. Do, I, I would, say, would say she has been the puppet master behind the Paris or Vegas organizations as a whole for a while. Um, and when I say puppet master, I don't necessarily mean that in a negative context, uh, just in that she was controlling most of the org or, you know, pulling the strings and everything like that. There were, you know, rumors that she had been, you know, running their trials entirely on her own and all sorts of things like that uh, last season and stuff. Um, but Malthal did have some quite negative things to say about her and the relationship that she had uh, in terms of the team. Hard to say if that extends out to other players or anything like that, or if perhaps, you know, maybe just, uh, you know, 
one disgruntled ex-employee who didn't get along with management, something like that. Who knows? Who knows? But uh, overall, some pretty decent, decent size changes on the Vegas side of things. We then, of course, head on over to Boston where they cut Dongsu and added, of course, Coach Moby Dick, who we've obviously seen uh, seen and recognized from the Toronto organization and many other organizations as well. Um, so good to see him back, although I would have you know, preferred if he didn't go to Boston because we all know I'm not a big fan of Boston. Um, but in any case, it happened. Shanghai then, oh, of course, I already talked about Shanghai adding Fate and Fleta uh, being promoted to head coach or sorry, assistant coach. So there you have it. Those are the moves around the Overwatch League. And with all of that said, I think it is time that we head on over and do a little bit of, not an OWL recap, but an Overwatch World Cup recap. So let's jump on over there and take a look at our past week's matches in the Overwatch World Cup. I'm unstoppable. All right, so of course, this past weekend, uh, Thursday through Sunday, we saw the sort of kickoff of this stage of the Overwatch World Cup qualifiers. Um, I believe at most we had something like 17 matches in one day. Um, I think Thursday and Friday, or at least Thursday was a little bit lighter, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday were were quite the back-to-back-to-back-to-back-to-back matches. So let's dive in there, and we'll just see how all these teams did. So currently, this was, of course, the uh, group stage all for week one. So things kicked off on Thursday, June 22nd with Turkey, Team Turkey, taking a 2-0 win over Team Poland. Then the KSA, of course, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, uh, defeated Finland 2-1. Norway defeated Sweden 2-0. Germany defeated Iceland 2-0. Great Britain defeated Belgium 2-0. France defeated Italy 2-0. Spain defeated the Netherlands 2-1, and, oh darn, I was on such a roll. Here I was thinking I might actually make it through this without uh, having to look up what exactly one of these teams was, but uh, hang on one sec while I jump over to the teams page, and then I scroll on down, and I look for this logo to find out what exactly team this is. I want to say Senegal, maybe? Let's check this out. Okay, nope, I was very wrong. Malaysia beat Singapore 2-1. Moving on from there, Friday, June 23rd, we had New Zealand losing 0-2 against Thailand. Japan beats the Philippines 2-0. Hong Kong beats India 2-0. Korea beats... Checking another one. That would be the team from Chinese Taipei. Finland beats Sweden 2-0. Norway beats Germany 2-0. Kingdom of Saudi Arabia beats Iceland 2-0. Spain beats Belgium 2-0. France beats Portugal 2-0. The Netherlands beat Italy 2-0. Denmark beats Great Britain 2-1. Colombia beats Peru 2-0. Brazil beats Chile 2-0. And of course, the USA beat Team Canada 2-0. Unfortunately, Mexico beats Costa Rica 2-0. Uh, Peru, I believe beats Guam 2-0, and Australia beats Thailand 2-1. We then go to Saturday, June 24th, when Malaysia loses to India 2-0, New Zealand beats Singapore 2-0, Hong Kong then beats the Philippines 2-0, Japan beats Taipei 2-0, Finland beats Germany 2-0, Norway beats Iceland 2-0, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia beats Poland 2-0, 
Turkey beats Sweden 2-1, Great Britain beats Portugal 2-0, Denmark beats Belgium 2-0, France beats the Netherlands 2-0, Colombia beats Ecuador 2-0, Chile beats Peru 2-0, Brazil beats Argentina 2-0, USA beats Mexico 2-1, Costa Rica beats Guam 2-0, and India beats New Zealand 2-0. And that brings us into our Sunday matches on Sunday, June 25th where Team Australia beats Singapore 2-0, Thailand beats Malaysia 2-0, Japan beats India 2-0, Korea beats Hong Kong 2-0, Kingdom of Saudi Arabia beats Turkey 2-0, Finland beats Norway 2-0, Poland beats Iceland 2-1, Great Britain beats the Netherlands 2-1, Belgium beats Portugal 2-0, Italy beats Spain 2-1, France beats Denmark 2-1, Brazil beats Ecuador 2-0, Peru, sorry, beats Argentina 2-1. The USA beats Puerto Rico 2-0. Mexico beats Guatemala 2-0. And, of course, closing out the weekend, Canada gets their first win against Costa Rica 2-0. Now, one addendum there, I realized partway through that, that uh, I had called Puerto Rico Peru, I believe. So I may have misspoken there on a previous match uh, with either Puerto Rico or Peru. It was Chile getting a 2-0 win over Peru. Um, and there's got to be another one where I misspoke. Uh, well, in any case, I may have gotten the, uh, the names of Puerto Rico and Peru mixed up just because of the abbreviation of the name. I had the window, uh, shrunk on my side. So I had that incorrect, but in any case, that was your first week's matches. So that was group all week one. We then go to group all week two. And of course these matches kick off tomorrow. So let's get in there. Of course, these times are in mountain time. These are in my local time. So adjust that as you will for your time zone. On Thursday, June 29th at 7 a.m. mountain time, Saudi Arabia takes on Norway. Then kicking off or continuing on, I should say, at 8 a.m., Turkey takes on Germany. 9 a.m., Sweden takes on Poland. 10 a.m., Finland takes on Iceland. 11 a.m., Portugal takes on Italy. 12 p.m., Spain takes on Denmark. 1 p.m., France takes on Belgium. And at 11 p.m., a bit of a jump there, India takes on Australia. Sorry. Then, of course, Friday, June 30th, continuing right along, Malaysia at 12 a.m. takes on New Zealand. Thailand takes on Singapore at 1 a.m. At 3 a.m., Indonesia takes on Chinese Taipei. At 4 a.m., the Philippines take on South Korea. 7 a.m., Germany and Sweden. 8 a.m., Finland and Poland. 9 a.m., Iceland and Turkey. 10 a.m., Portugal, Denmark. 11 a.m., Netherlands, Belgium. 12 p.m., Italy, Great Britain. 1 p.m., France, Spain. 3 p.m., Peru, Brazil. 4 p.m., Chile, Ecuador. 5 p.m., Colombia, Argentina. 6 p.m., Puerto Rico and Canada. 7 p.m., Costa Rica and the U.S., and then 11 p.m., Australia and Malaysia. Then Saturday, July 1st. That's right. These these matches basically, or just about run back to back to back to back, literally from Thursday at 7 a.m. through till Sunday at whenever the final match is. It's kind of crazy. Saturday, July 1st. India takes on Thailand at 12 a.m. Indonesia takes on South Korea at 3 a.m. Chinese Taipei takes on the Philippines at 4 a.m. Japan takes on the Hong Kong at 5 a.m. I don't know why I said the Hong Kong. 7 a.m. Saudi Arabia takes on Germany. 8 a.m. Poland against Norway. 9 a.m. Turkey against Finland. 10 a.m. Sweden against Iceland. 11 a.m. Spain against Great Britain. 12 p.m. The Netherlands against Portugal. 1 p.m. Italy against Denmark. 3 p.m. Argentina versus Ecuador. 4 p.m. Colombia versus Chile. 5 p.m. The United States against Guatemala. 
6 p.m. Puerto Rico against Costa Rica, 7 p.m. Canada against Mexico, and 11 p.m. Singapore against India. And that, of course, brings us to our Sunday matches, the final day of matches on Sunday, July 2nd. New Zealand at 12 a.m. takes on Australia at 3 a.m. Hong Kong against Chinese Taipei, 4 a.m. Philippines against Indonesia. Japan, South Korea at 5 a.m. Germany, Poland at 7 a.m. Turkey, Norway at 8 a.m. Sweden, Saudi Arabia at 9 a.m. Denmark, Netherlands at 10 a.m. Belgium, Italy at 11 a.m. Spain, Portugal at 12 p.m. Great Britain, France at 1 p.m. Ecuador, Peru at 3 p.m. Brazil, Colombia at 4 p.m. Chile, Argentina at 5 p.m. Guatemala versus Canada at 6 p.m. And Mexico versus Puerto Rico at 7 p.m. Holy cow, that is just, it blows my mind how many matches that is. That is an incredible amount of matches. Um, just absolutely crazy. So in any case, of course, that is that is all of the um, all of the groups mashed into one there. You can, of course, on the overwatchworldcup.com website, filter it out so you can say group A and B for EMECA or group A and B for APAC and then group A and B for AMER. Um, so you can see it just by sort of your region. And of course, it is a significant uh, number fewer matches if you do filter things out like that. Of course, if we look at America, let's see, let's see, or sorry, uh, A-M-E-A, A-M-M, A-M, what, what is it? What's the abbreviation? A-M-E-R. Um, of course, July 2nd, we have one, two, three, four, five matches. July 1st, one, two, three, four, five. Friday, one, two, three, four, five. And Thursday, one, two, three, four, five. Oh, wait, no. No Thursday matches for that that group. So in any case, it's a crazy amount of matches. If you're interested in the World Cup or you're interested in cheering on your team, I urge you to either listen to what I just said and mark down when your team's matches are, or go ahead and uh, check out the matches themselves, of course. That would be highly recommended. And of course, support your home team unless they're the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, in which case you can get screwed into the ground. So... And with that, I think we'll wrap up the show. So let's head on over to this outro. I'll do this alone if I have to. So there you have it. That was episode 114 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. I'm, of course, your host, Sir Dr. JM. That's at Sir DRJM on all socials, but especially over on Twitter, where you can tweet at me, you can DM me, you can send me your thoughts, questions, concerns, comments, inquiries, topics for discussion or whatever you've got for the show. Send them to me over there, and I'll bring them to the show, and we'll talk about them. You can, of course, catch One Bad Watchpoint on all your favorite podcast services out there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc., Spotify. Give us a follow, leave us a review, tell your friends, and all that jazz. And we'll catch you next week on episode 115. But as a reminder to hear my full thoughts, or expanded thoughts, I'll say, on the Aspire situation, of course. Check out the Ready, Set, Pwn podcast episode 201, where we, of course, uh, dove into everything going on with the Vancouver organization uh, as of late. And, of course, check it out also for the interview with Adam Adamu, of course, at Grayson over on Twitter, um, the, of course, interim CEO of Overactive Media, the parent company behind the Toronto Defiant. So check us out over there. Check me out everywhere. Get it on. I'm unstoppable.